Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. Today on the podcast, we have a return guest, someone RSPA members know very well, RSPA Legal Counsel, Jill Miller. Jill, welcome back. Hello. Thank you for having me. Appreciate Great. it. Always Always a pleasure to uh, talk with you, whether it's uh, off to the side or in our regular conversations, or great to have you here uh, so everybody in the RSP community can listen in. For those who don't know Jill, she's a partner at Detroit-based law firm Bodman PLC and has served as RSP legal counsel since 2020, providing advice to all members, especially VARs and ISVs. And that advice is available at no extra charge to RSP members through phone calls, emails, video chats, and in-person meetings at RSPA events. And Jill's been engaged in our Industry for several years, counseling clients on data privacy, cybersecurity, card processing, mobile payments, ACH, electronic fund transfers, virtual currencies, and more. So, Jill, uh, you've been talking with uh, a lot of our members over the past uh, several months since we last connected. Um, what is the first topic you want to discuss with our audience today? What do you think is most important for our listeners and viewers to hear today? Well, today I thought that I would give everybody a tool, a tool to use when they are uh, working through agreements, um, any kind of agreement. And so I personally have a master agreement checklist. Now, it's not a checklist of every single thing that goes in every single agreement, but rather it's really an outline that I've developed over the past you know, 18 years looking at various agreements and it really sort of categorizes different areas of an agreement and language that should be reviewed. Now, I often find someone will send me an agreement and say, it's only three pages. It should be really quick for you to get through. And it's really not about what's in the agreement many times. It's what's not in the agreement. Mm -hmm. And so the checklist really gives me an opportunity to sort of stop. You know, I'll review an agreement and then I'll stop and go back to my checklist and say, okay, Let's go through these categories. How were they addressed? Um, were they addressed at all? And then I'll sort of take the review to another level. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm going to just sort of walk through some of the things that would be on a checklist. I think that would be really helpful for our members to really sort of, if they're watching this, sort of jot down and maybe start their own checklist. Because I know a lot of the members are very knowledgeable about agreements. Um, and what's nice about um, having a business person who is knowledgeable about agreements is really we can combine the legal and the business expertise and, you know, set forth the best agreement for both parties. So um, a couple of the things that I um, I can just sort of run through the checklist quickly and talk yeah. about um, some provisions and things you should consider. One is the term, right? I mean, the term of the agreement seems pretty, you know, uninteresting. Um, but, you know, some people are like, whatever, I don't care. Um, but what's important about a term is I think two things that come to mind right off the top of my head. One is if you have really advantageous pricing, you'd want a longer term, right? Because you wouldn't want them to come back and renegotiate. So in that instance, I would say a five-year term might be, you know, important or relevant or useful for you. Whereas on the other side, you might have a non-solicitation of your customers that you brought to the party who you can't um, solicit for some period of time after termination. So maybe a one-year term 
um, if you have a plan to do, you know, change your business model or something else, if you have a one year term and you have a one year post termination non solicitation that, you know, starts to run much quicker than if you have a five year term. So those are um, some of the things I think about when I'm looking at a term in, in council, um, our members or our clients generally. Got it. And it sounds like from a, a the checklist standpoint, there's not a one size fits all. Like you should never sign anything more than a one year term or right. you know, anything of that nature. It's all these considerations is essentially what it is. And this pot, this makes the the ISV, the VAR, whoever is reviewing it, and you know the attorney as well, pause and say, let's really examine this thing before we just read over it and, and jump onto it. Is that how? Is that yes. how you're thinking? That's exactly right. And I think that's also what we call the general terms at the back, right? Everybody's like, oh, those are boilerplate. But one missing word in there can really make a difference. And so in my checklist, I have one of the topics is called general terms. And underneath that is um, a list of things like assignments, amendments, um, entire agreement, right? So what do those things mean? Assignment. Can either party assign the agreement to another party? Oftentimes we'll get it. It'll be one-sided. They can, we can't. Um, amendments. Uh, you know, for me, I don't want anybody on the other side unilaterally amending an agreement without my input or ability to terminate. There's a lot of ways that we can slice and dice that. And then entire agreement. It means this is the the four corners of this document con constitutes the entire agreement between the two parties about this topic. And um, what happens if you have, which is another item on my uh, list, confidentiality, what if you have a separate NDA already executed and you say in your agreement, this entire agreement, you know, where at, instead I would say to my client, I would say, we can do this. We can do one of two things. We can say, this agreement and the confidentiality agreement dated January 1st, 2023 is the entire agreement. Mm -hmm. Or if, um, which I like better really is not to have a bunch of agreements floating around, is to just incorporate the confidential provisions into the main body of the agreement. So again, checklist, right? Instead of just sort of skimming by those things. Yeah, assignment, amendment, entire agreement. I really think it's important for a business person to look through these items first, and then we can talk about um, what options um, they might have in negotiating. And with this, the master agreement checklist, does it also apply, like, is it any kind of agreement, like even an employment agreement? Yes. Because just as you're telling me that, I'll, I'll never forget, this is back in my early uh, management days, uh, back at a prior employer, and there was a sales rep who had been under performing and then had a new supervisor and that supervisor said like it's time for this person to leave like they just weren't performing and so the hr person came in like okay let's get this thing and they were going through their agree yes. you know, their checklist and they said any other prior agreements that you have and they're like well let's look through his folder oh here's this one from his last supervisor that said you get three strikes and he was like oh well, then you cannot terminate because it says you have to do three strikes like, right. because you have this superseding documentation. I remember the supervisor was like, come on, but he's so far below and he's done this and this <laughs> and this. You've never given him. You have to give him strike one and go from there. So that's what it seems like this is. It helps you avoid, I'm sure everything's fine and it makes you think about things you might have forgotten about. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think when you sit down to an agreement, whether you're a lawyer or a business person, you you have learned so much over the years 
And it's really nice to have it in one place where you can refer to and not have to keep it all stored in your brain. Yeah. And it's a good, you know, way. So when maybe um, the other side comes back, you can go back to your checklist and say, I didn't even look at that issue. Mm-hmm. I, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, I might put notes in my checklist for each um, agreement I review, but it's really a good sort of summary piece to, uh, again, keep you on track, remind you of things that you may have forgotten over the years. So again, I've been practicing for 19 years. So imagine how much things have changed and what lessons we've learned along the way. So my checklist is lengthy and has a lot of elements um, that are from lessons learned. Um, And, you know, you might think, well, that agreement, we've seen it a million times. It's the same agreement. Well, it's it's they're always changing their agreements to the other side. So, yeah, for sure. So you mentioned term, you mentioned confidentiality. Any other aspects of uh, this uh, master agreement checklist you want to share with our audience? Yeah, I know services. I have a a box called services because sometimes people will send me an agreement and say, can you take a look at this? And I'll read it and I'll say, I have no idea what either party is doing. There's nothing in here that describes what services are being provided. It might just have this one sentence in the beginning that says vendor um, sells and distributes hardware. Parentheses define services. Well, what else are they doing, right? I want a real clean, definitive description of what it is each party is providing, right? And what I'm on the hook for, meaning my, me, the member, um, because what ha- what happens if they say you're not performing? Well, let's look at the agreement. What was I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think services um well, it wasn't something on the really early days of the checklist, but something that became, I think, very important as the years progressed. Um, you know, I mean, audit rights. That's another thing that's really been a more recent, I'd say, when I say recent, I'd say in the last five to seven years. The ability to look at books and records to be sure that you're being paid right. Um, and to be sure that um, the pricing as you agreed to is accurately uh, depicted on invoices from some certain period of time. So audit rights is another thing that's on my checklist. Um, non-solicitation, non-compete, right? Usually if I see a non-compete, I just take it out. I'm just, that's like my first instinct. Is and like, why is that? Well, I just don't, I mean, these are many times independent contractors, Right. And so in the I don't know what is the 12 point checklist that the IRS has, you know, one of the things is that you can't direct an independent contractor on how to perform or what to do. So why should you prevent them from competing in the industry, especially when you're not providing them a full time guaranteed salary? There's also some debate of late of whether or not even non-competes will stand up. I'm not going to get into detail with that late, but. My firm has been writing articles on it and sending it to us. So there is, you know, nothing's been decided, but I think that's something that's finally coming to a head um, in the U.S. as, uh, you know, sort of uh, sort of been pushing down people from really earning a living in the United States because of non-competes. And it varies uh, by state, too, which is complicated. Right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. It depends how the non-compete is written as well and how restrictive yes, and, and things like that. Yes, the scope and the, right, the radius and the... 
from where you live, from where your services are performed. Yes, it's one year, two year. I, it just varies and makes it difficult to know if you're even in compliance. I mean, people are just trying to do a job and they can't pull down a 50 state survey and determine right. whether or not they're in compliance with their non-compete. So great. Fabulous. What else about the master agreement checklist? Uh, do you want to uh, share? I would also uh, say, yep, yeah, I would say one more thing, which is you should get paid forever, right? So for so so long as as the person who you brought your customer to is, to is getting paid, you should be getting paid. I really feel strongly about that. Um, it's your customer relationship. You're the one that has, you know, uh, main, you know, put planted the seed, watered it, pruned it, maintained it, and but for you the vendor wouldn't be earning any revenue. So I have this on my um, checklist number five, lifetime payments. Um, so again, so for so long as the vendor's getting paid, you should get paid. And does it seem like some of these things are, you don't have to get them, but you should at least ask or push for them and then you get to decide whether it's the right thing or not. But the thing with, like you said, the checklist is you don't, you read something and it seems fine, but you might not realize what's not there because that's not going to be included. So you can, you can ask for it and see if, right. see if they grant it to you. And I always say, Jim, don't negotiate against yourself. Right. Don't don't think, well, I'm not sure if they're going to go for that, so I'm not going to bother. I say what's reasonable in the industry. Let's ask for all of those things. And then when they come back and see what they're willing to move and agree to. Great. Other things. Then we can talk about what the impact of those uh, rejections are. Got it. Fabulous. We're going to pause here right now to let our listeners and viewers know about the Retail Solutions Providers Association. If you're not familiar, the RSP is North America's largest community of VARs, software developers, vendors, and distributors in the retail, restaurant, grocery, and cannabis verticals. The RSP is a perfect fit for any organization that's serious about growth in those markets. And an RSP membership has never been more valuable or affordable. Annual memberships start at just $250 a year for VARs and $300 a year for software startups. Accelerate your success in the retail IT channel by joining the RSPA community today. I'm speaking to our audience on that, Jill, not you. You yes. obviously a vital part. <laughs> just wanted to clear that up. Uh, and then also want to thank our uh, annual sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsor is Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are CoCard, Heartland, ScanSource, and Star Micronics. To receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at GoRSPA.com. Dot org. Finally, want to make sure you save the date for Retail Now 2023, the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education, conference, and networking event. This year's event is set for July 30th through August 1st at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. Retail Now is where the industry meets and where you can meet Jill Miller uh, as well, because you'll be there. <laughs> yes, I will. So, uh, Jill, we have time for one more topic. What else would you want to share with our audience today from uh, a legal perspective? You know, I think just quickly, I just want to talk about data retention. And you and I have talked about this. Um, and really, data retention, it's really important. You know, I talked to members about ultimately what's your exit strategy and having your proper, you know, records, you know, um, in order and knowing where you can find records. But, you know, I think sometimes when people are starting out, they're so successful, they're selling like crazy. They're, I know when I have a new client, I'm super excited. And so um, sometimes I think that entrepreneurs tend to just open up the filing cabinet, stuck it, stick it in and then move on. And so I think it's important to 
um, have a data retention policy, which is, do you want to save things in the cloud? Do you want to have an old school, um, you know, filing cabinet, which I have one in my home office? Um, you know, it's really whatever system is going to work for you, but really just really think about what are the documents I have? Do I have, which my mother has, of course, you know, the bills from Hudson's from, you know, 1970. You don't need those things anymore. And they really create um, waste. They waste space. They waste brain capacity of whether or not, why do I have this document? And so really understanding what documents you have. How long do you need to keep them? Because there are some statutes that require um, certain documents to be, to be kept for certain periods of time. And then how do I have them organized? So it's a new year, right? It, it's time to keep ourselves organized. It's time to spend, you know, 15 minutes a day getting your house in order. Um, when I say house, I mean records in order um, so that you can have, you know, quick access to something if someone asks you a question or if you need to report or if you have to comply or submit documents. Um, that's that's something that I think people really should focus on in uh, January. Got it. And, and February I'll... and March and April. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And any day that ends in Y, uh, yes. to focus on it. And I can say just from personal experience, so the RSP recently moved from a physical building to an all virtual environment, but we still have, and you and I worked on this together. You gave me really good guidelines in terms of what needed to be kept for how long. And then there's also the decision of what do you put into storage out of the way? And then what do you need handy? And we were on the phone with our auditors because we do an audit every single year and they asked a question about i don't want to get into all the details uh what they were is but because folks at the rsp have done such a great job of record keeping i was able to say hold on one second go over to a box grab it and say here it is and they're like well boy that's great because that's like the missing link in terms of what we were looking for can you mm -hmm. you know scan that and send it over sure enough you open up it's all well uh organized there and so that kind of goes to don't you know make sure you're getting good legal advice make sure you work with a good accountant make sure you're organized yes. from that standpoint because when the moment comes and you don't have that i mean there's liabilities to it right in terms right. of it's not just wasting time like there's legal liabilities penalties things of that nature right like even taxes right i mean pr pr proving that you've paid certain taxes um so yes all of that is just really it's gonna save you hundreds of hours of agony and grief and stress by having your um record keeping in a in an organized fashion and make sure and if you have employees really explaining to them why it's important too um, that's why a policy, obviously, for a one man or two woman show, like there's no, it's not necessary to maybe have a written policy. But as you grow and you have multiple people touching records, a policy, again, one page, yep. just sort of line, listing out what it is that you expect to be kept and what shouldn't be kept. Great. Fabulous. Uh, a couple more questions for you. First, back to that master agreement checklist. Yes. Where can RSPA members uh, get access to that? What's the best way for them to to gain that uh, master agreement well, checklist? Well, I mean, I'm thinking as, as I was preparing for this is that I should probably put it up on our um, website. Um, sure. Just a, a master agreement checklist just for some people to pull down and just take a look at um, and see if it, you know, speaks to them and helps them with looking at one more agreement. 
That'd be great. And that ties in with on the RSPA website, it's members uh, only, but there's all sorts of legal templates that you can use where you don't have to start from a blank sheet of paper or you don't have to call Jill and be like, start me from square one, right? Those things really get you uh, a, a lot of the way there. So mm-hmm. great. Yeah. So we can coordinate on that uh, afterwards as well. I also do want to share one story with you. I'm just curious if you ever, because when you talk about agreements, this is like my first experience with a business agreement. I've worked for a pro basketball team, a minor league basketball team in Erie. They were working on an agreement. I won't get into all the details with it, but the agreement came back for the general manager to sign. It had things struck out and then the initials of the uh, director of communications for the basketball team said he changed them. The general manager comes to him and says, boy, why did you change these things? And the uh, you know director looked at it and said, I didn't do those. I didn't change those. So they went over to the other group and they had forged his, his initials in there and crossed things out to try to get the agreement to be in their favor. I'm just curious if you've ever seen anything <laughs> like that and how angry would you be uh, if you came across that? My first thought, thought is I wouldn't want to do business with, because a contract is only as good as the two partners to whom it's between, right? Mm-hmm. And so if right off the bat, before you even begin, the other party is forging signatures, I think that you should really reconsider the relationship. <laughs> Secondly, for me, I insist on the documents being all included in the document and nowadays we're doing DocuSign. So there's no que- there's no sort of yep. scanning back and forth and oh my yep. gosh, two lines are missing. That's happened along the way and it yep. is frustrating. And on the other hand, if language is missing in, a, in an agreement, I also had a partner early on say to me, mistakes do happen. It doesn't necessarily mean that the other party was intentionally doing something. So I also have calmed myself and said, okay, let's just make sure that something didn't happen unintentionally, um, as opposed to having a signature where it's very obvious something intentional happened. So, yeah, well, yeah. they end up signing a longer term uh, agreement with that group. <laughs> and then the director left, I ended up becoming the director. And when I had to have dealings with that, you know, untrustworthy organization and the person who had forged it. Remember, he said, hey, I was a journalism major. You're a journalism major. Can I call you brother? And I said, no, (laughs) (laughs) like, no, what are you trying to do? Like schmooze me on something like, you know, let's talk about what's true and what's not true. And yeah, Yeah. it was, uh, you know, it was uh, the first of of many, uh, I would say, transgressions there. So, yeah, wonderful. I I wish I had known you back then, Jill. All right. Finally, Jill, how can RSP members connect with you uh, to discuss their legal issues? I would say best strategy is to email me at jmiller at bodmanlaw.com. I'm also linked on the website on the um, RSPA, go rspa.org website, my name, my picture. You can click on that. Um, you can also contact me on uh, my phone number, which is 734-930-2499. But as we all know, email's the best because it's easy to say, when can we set up a meeting? My schedule's this. What's your schedule? Or respond to a, a simple question on an email. Fabulous. Yeah, Jill, you've been a great resource uh, for the association. Looking forward to uh, more conversations like this uh, in, in 2023. Sounds well, great. 
Wonderful. Well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy is the more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, thanks again to Jill Miller for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA Marketing Director Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail technology ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, please visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.